Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. My guest, John U. Bacon, is the author of several books. He's a well-respected writer of very many uh, venues, uh, Wall Street Journal, New York Times. Uh, he's written outstanding books before. He's joined us before on this program with his book, The Great Halifax Explosion, and also uh, his biography of John Saunders, Playing Hurt, My Journey from Despair to Hope. But the story he has to tell us today is one I had no idea was in his past, so you, let's just get it straight. You did play high school hockey for the Ann Arbor Huron River Rats. That is correct, and the mascot is true, by the way. We are the only River Rats, I'm sure, in the nation. Uh, <laughs> although you give me too much credit, Al, I was on the team. I did not play as much as I would have liked. But I was on varsity for three years, and as you know, still hold the record for the most games in a Huron uniform, 86, played all three years, with the fewest goals, zero, and that's very hard to beat. <laughs> All right, so you've got to tell me then, given that background, how did you get interested in, um, or was, or they were interested in you to, to, to come back and coach? What Two happened? fair questions, of course. Um, after college, I went to Culver Military Academy in Indiana, mm-hmm. and uh, military for the boys, but not for the girls. But uh, met an amazing guy there, Al Clark, a uh, very quiet coach, which is rare for hockey coaches, Phi Beta Kappa math major who started the program in 76 with an outdoor rink and 12 Hispanic kids who had never skated before. <laughs> and third year, they're state champs, and they keep on being state champs, and now they've he's won over 1,000 games. He's the wow. winningest high school coach in the nation. 25 NHL draft picks, 9 NHL players, 6 Olympians. Amazing Ooh. guy. So I had some experience there. I had assisted coached. I had been an assistant coach on the team and over here on in the early 90s. Then the job came up in 2000, and I put my hat in the ring. I wanted to do it for the same reason I think it motivates a lot of your listeners to do what they do, that I always felt the connection to it. I wanted to make a difference. Yeah. Um, I wanted them to have a program that would make them better people, and which is not often said about high school hockey programs, I think. Um, and I wanted them to be, remain attached to it yeah. uh, at the end of them. So why they wanted me, they didn't, <laughs> is the answer. The team was 0-22-3. For you non-sports fans out there, zero is where the wins go. So they had zero wins, 22 losses, and three ties. They were ranked the worst team in America, incredibly, <laughs> out of 1,000 teams wow. in 2000. And then yours truly, the worst team player in school history, he shows up. <laughs> the first vote, Al, was four for the other candidate and two for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, my allies would not stop until they flipped a vote. And then 3-3 three, three tie, the principal picked me because I had gone to Huron, but the players were not happy about it, and neither were the parents. <laughs> so we're walking into a pretty bad situation. Your dad says, uh, well, you know, when you're on the floor, you can't fall out of bed. <laughs> exactly right. <laughs> that was a great line. Hey, my dad does not get paid for motivational speeches, I'll say that. <laughs> but uh, but i got to say, uh, we all get knocked down fairly often. I guess the way of the world. Um, when that happens, my dad's phrase kind of helps me. When you're on the floor, you can't fall out of bed. This has got to get better. That's the message. I, you know, I, uh, I have not done a lot of teaching uh, at high school level. But I used to, every year I used to go teach at Southfield Christian School a week in the Bible mm-hmm. class. And I can remember uh, the first few years being kind of intimidated by high school students who were nonchalant about everything. It's mm-hmm. it hard, to, hard to elicit from them enthusiasm. Um, and I would imagine it from what you wrote in the book, the students that you had to work with, uh, you, I mean, you were not bringing with you uh, a, a roster of uh, ringers. 
right? No, I mean, not. you're not going to dump a bunch of kids. I cut nobody. Yeah, from the previous team. And uh, and I would imagine if you got a, a zero twenty two uh, three record, um, they've learned how to adapt to failure. That's a tough culture to that, shake. I got to say, Al, and we've talked about most of my books the last ten years. You always had, have insights that. I do not get elsewhere. And I do a lot of interviews for these things, so it's always impressive. Um, Yeah, you hit the nail on the head with Southfield Christian School. um, And, yeah, what you just said, of course, uh, one of the hardest things was to get them to care. Not to win games, let's not worry about that, but to actually invest yourself. Because once you invest yourself, if you you don't care and you lose every game, well, so what? You're ironic, nonchalant, all this stuff. But if you care and then you still lose, it's a lot harder. Yeah. So how do I get them to care? And as my captain said at the time, we were too cool to care. So <laughs> trying to get them to care. And the great advice came from Al Clark, my mentor at Culver, I mentioned. He said, the first thing you've got to do is to make it special to play for Huron. And yeah. I said, we're already the worst team in America. That's pretty special. <laughs> and he said, no, no, no. The easiest way to make it special is to make it hard. And that is the exact opposite advice that everyone else has given me that about this generation is lazy and they're entitled. You got to lower the bar, and corporations do this. You know, you need Taco Tuesdays and Casual Fridays and <laughs> right, right. Uh, beanbag chairs and all that. And his approach was the opposite. He said, if they know that they had to do something that not everybody would would be willing to do just to make the team, then now it feels special. And then with a little guidance, they will enforce their culture themselves. Ah. And I, frankly, didn't have too many chances. What other ideas did I have? Right, 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 right. <laughs> We're on the floor. Uh, so I said, okay, what the heck, I'm doing that. And uh, and it worked. Wow. And not one kid, we had workouts a week after school got out. So July, August, September, October, three days a week in the weight room and on the track. Brutal, and I did them too. Yeah. Brutal workouts. We all got pretty well trashed in these things. Um, and not one player quit. And these were voluntary workouts. So it shows us. That if we're not getting to guys and so on, yeah. you don't lower the bar, you raise it. Yeah. And now you feel special for having survived it. Um, you, you did a few, few things there. Uh, it just struck me as just just really smart. Um, you, you said uh, be patient with results, not behavior. Mm-hmm. So you went after uh, certain things, uh, certain certain behaviors that you knew were going to pollute. The, the the environment that you were trying to create. Tell, give us an example of this. Sure. Um, came from, come from sorry, comes from Rob Palmer, a friend of mine who played for Michigan, and then played in the NHL for six or seven years. We're playing on a Tuesday night. He's retired. He's got his MBA since then. He's from Toronto, and he said his dad told him as a kid, all you have to worry about is two things: work hard and support your teammates. Mm-hmm. And what's brilliant about that, and I know this is a faith-based show, same with your faith. Yeah. There are things you control and things you don't. We control those two things every day we wake up. Uh, we can work hard and choose to work hard, choose to support our teammates. And that was also smart in my case because I had no idea if we're going to win any games. Who knows? You know, same guys. So maybe we're going to lose every game again. Right. But let's, let's, right. let's measure what we can control and don't worry about what we can't. Yeah. So we start the season out and we win three games in our first three games. We Therefore, tied the total wins for the two previous years combined. <laughs> so my dad was right about that one. I was like, keep the bar low and everyone's happy. And then we've got to play almighty Trenton, downriver Detroit. Yeah, yeah. They've won 14 state titles. USA Today called them the best high school team in the nation. Wow. They're that good. 
Final score is 13 to 2. I'll remind your listeners this is not football or basketball. <laughs> this is, this is hockey. hockey. Right. And so those come in increments of one. So uh, I knew their fight song by the end of the night. That's how often I heard it. So in the locker room, the guys are pretty upset and they're throwing their gloves and their sticks and saying this is as bad as last year and all this. And I said, hey, wait, I saw it. We got our butts kicked, you know, fair enough. But what are the two values of here in hockey? And we've been saying them all every day for four months. They mumble, work hard, support your teammates. I said, no, no, what are they? We started yelling it back and forth. I said, okay, on that basis, how do we do tonight? Did you guys do those things? And they thought about it, and they thought, actually, we did. We worked hard the entire night. We didn't coast to the bench. Down 13 to 2, we didn't take the, the last three minutes off. Yeah, yeah. Easy to do. Mm-hmm. Uh, we didn't point the finger at the goalie for, th- for 13 goals or the forwards for only scoring twice. Nothing negative, all positive, all game long. And I say, that's right. It will never be harder to do those two things than it is right now. It's never harder to keep your faith than when things are going wrong. <laughs> right, when it's going right, right, it's not that hard. Right, when right. it's going wrong, then it's hard. So do we keep our faith now in, in, our, in our values? And I said, gentlemen, it will never be harder than this. What you did tonight was heroic, truly heroic. We walk out with our heads held high, which allows us to define ourselves and not let the world define us. The school thought we were losers. Our opponents thought we were losers. We heard from the fans. We don't care. In our room, we're okay. Work hard, support your teammates. And then after a 10-game losing streak, we still won four more games at the end. We won seven games. We were the most improved team in school history after our first year. So it was a good start. How long before you uh, ended up beating Trenton? It took us at the end of the second year. We're now sixteen nine and two. So we're the most <laughs> we're the most improved team in school history two years in a row. Al, that's very hard to do. <laughs> My dad was right again. You got to start at the bottom to do that twice. So <laughs> the sky was the limit, and we're playing Trenton again in the regional final at their place, packed house, and they're about to win another state title. We play them though, and this time we're on fire. And uh, Herb Brooks, I called him up before the game. Herb Brooks is the coach who coached the American Olympic hockey team. Miracle. Yeah. Miracle on ice. Yeah. Uh, against the Soviets, still considered the greatest upside of all time and probably was. I said, okay, Herb, he's a friend of mine from sports writing. Here's the deal. We're the Americans, they're the Soviets. <laughs> How do we do this? And this applies directly to your listeners. He said with his Minnesota accent, Johnny, just tell him this. Above all, you got to believe. If you don't believe, nothing's possible. If you do believe, anything is possible. But it comes with a catch. Just because you believe, just because you have faith and hope and belief and you work hard and you support teammates does not guarantee victory. Mm-hmm. The external world does not always cooperate. Right. But I guarantee you this. If you don't have those things, you have no chance. It's a lottery ticket. And your lottery ticket is hope and faith and belief. Yeah. And I told the guys that. They're all jacked up. And I let the seniors talk to the team, and I walked out, and they're breathing fire. The final score was 3-2. to two. Trenton won, but we outshot them. And when the buzzer went, their fans gave my guys a standing ovation. Wow. And from that point on, we played them tough years uh, three and four. We finally, in our fourth year, beat them at their rink. And our trainer, who'd seen about 40 <laughs> losses over his 20-year career against those guys, started crying. I was going to say that. Had to, somebody had to break up oh, when that happened. It, oh, some of the players called their older brothers from the other teams, and they started crying yeah. at their colleges around the country. Uh, so, But the whole notion of faith and belief and hope, without them, you're lost. Um, you mentioned Herb Brooks. Yes. Uh, and I imagine you're probably pretty good at locker room. Uh, speeches. That's one of the few skills I have. (laughs) (laughs) How important is it that uh, you have be able to do the locker room speech? 
I always think it's important because I was, you know, I liked it and I paid attention to it. But you know what? It turns out it's not that important at all. Okay. So Al Clark, my mentor at Culver, was this quiet math department chairman who would say in his Eeyore kind of voice, well, this would be a good one to win. It's like, <laughs> I, I'm not quite jacked up here, coach. <laughs> uh, but it's kind of, you know, look at your priest. Um, yeah. a, g- a good sermon, hey, I, I love him. Yeah. But it's not what keeps your flock together. Exactly. It's yeah. caring about them and pushing them. Think about your favorite teacher. That's what you need to do. John Holdsworth, come back, continue the conversation. My guest, John U. Bacon, a wonderful book called Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. And I highly recommend it to you. Let Them Lead. We'll talk more on the other side of the break. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, John U. Bacon. Uh, this is his most recent book, Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. It really, uh, really hooked me. And I love, I love the story here. Changing the culture is where you began. Mm-hmm. You went in there to change the culture, not necessarily, uh, immediately elevate performance. I mean, you had them working hard. Right. But that was part of changing the culture. That was, I was more concerned by far with the culture than I was with the wins. Yeah. And the wins came, not a, not a ton, but seven wins the first year. Um, but I was not focused. If you start chasing wins, it's like chasing profit. Uh, you get lost. Yeah. And it's even like trying to be happy. I've known when you, when you try to aim at happiness, you never quite get it. Right. When you do other stuff, you end up being happy. It, it, yeah, that's right. It's <laughs> a byproduct. Doing it's the, a yeah. byproduct. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Um, there are so many good lessons here. Um, you're dealing with high schoolers, and you have chapter four. You have make sure that you're the dumbest guy in the room. Uh, talk to me about <laughs> what that means in this context. It seems counterintuitive again, yeah. doesn't it? So, um, but yeah, you mentioned earlier we focused on behavior and results with the hiring process. I had great assistant coaches. Um, Warren Buffett, the famous billionaire, yeah, now sure. a great philanthropist, um, had a great, got a lot of great lines. But one of them is that uh, if you're the smartest guy in the room, you're in the wrong room. <laughs> <laughs> and what that relieves us of is the burden of trying to be the smartest guy in your hand up in class yeah. and all this. Right. It's not your job. Your job is to figure out who is the smartest guy, hire that man or woman, and make sure they're on your team. Yeah. So my joke, and I had, I had uh, my assistant coaches, I was not a great player. The coaches played in Sweden, played for the University of Michigan, played pro hockey, all kinds of stuff. Okay. And uh, my joke was that my goal was to be the dumbest guy in the room, Al, and I greatly exceeded my expectations. <laughs> <laughs> but so long as they know who the head coach is and they still had respect for the authority, then you're okay. They need to be loyal? Two reasons I'd fire somebody. Lying to me or disloyalty. Yeah. Everything else we'll deal with. Yeah. That's true of the players also. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the second year, you talk about building trust. Uh, so you're, you change the culture the first year. You build trust the second. Tell me, uh, where do you begin with that? You've already done some of it if you're changing yeah, the culture. Yeah, no question. Yeah. You can't do that without trust. But we've emphasized it more, you're right, second year. Uh, biggest thing you've got to do is get to know them. Uh, yeah. Al Gallup, who's now 96 years old, a World War II vet, great hero of mine, he said you can't motivate anybody you don't know. So get to know them on a personal level, and I think all great priests do this, great yeah. teachers do this. Yeah. Think about your favorite teacher. He or she knew your name, guaranteed, yeah. Yeah. would stay after school. What's tough, all right, chances are they're never the easy ones who are your favorites. But uh, got to get to know them. And next thing you do is you start giving them more and more power 
over what's happening. And you'd be amazed how they raise their games. Really? If they know that they've got to lead the thing the next day, they'll pay attention. Huh. Um, my mom was a grade school teacher. She's still around. But she lost her voice for a few months. And she had each kid read the book the next day. And they became far better readers than they ever had before because they would take the book home, practice it for three or four days, and show off in wow. front of their classmates. So I kept on putting them in charge of what's going on. We had a joke in the team, leading by example is clearly vital. If you don't do that, you're a hypocrite, and no one's going to follow you, and they shouldn't follow you, right. frankly. Right. But that, for a real leader, I think is not nearly enough. We had a joke in our team. We've got a name for those who lead by example. They're called sophomores. Because <laughs> all that means is you know your job and you can do your job. It's why you're employed. It's why you have a you know, parking spot. It's why you have a jersey on my team. Your junior year, you've got to know your job, do your job, and know everyone else's job, too, in your senior year. You've got to know your job, do your job, know everyone else's job, and help them do their jobs better. As yeah. a senior, you're doing a job and a half to two jobs every day. Yeah. This is leading by coaching. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. That's and a let great them phrase. Coach. That's a great phrase. Exactly. Um, I have to say, I was impressed. I mean, you, your relationship with these uh, young men and now their families continues. Oh, yeah. It does. You go to the weddings and you, know, you have an annual barbecue? Or- yep. I got a summer barbecue at my place. It probably cost close to 1000 bucks. Um, these guys are now 35 to 40 years old. They're older than I was when I coached them uh, 20 years ago. And I started very late, Al. I got married 49 years old and had a kid at 51, so truly blessed. And Ted You had your first at 51. I did. I had and, my last at 50. And well, that's pretty gutsy too, pal. That's, uh, my wife assures me I have an only child. She's <laughs> But anyway, we're, we're very late. But my player's kids are you know 10 years old or 12 years old. So they come over and give me parenting advice, and I have to take it out because <laughs> they know more than I do about this. But we're still very much in touch, and I've been to most of their weddings. Um, and it's just a, it's, a, it's a wonderful feeling that this still matters to them 16, 17 years after we stopped coaching and playing together. Do they help you with the book at all? They help me a ton. And yeah. Al, by the way, he's a smart guy asking good questions. So uh, <laughs> it's a real advantage, and this is very rarely true of leadership books. They usually come out right after the success of the CEO or whomever. Yeah. Uh, the mistakes aren't in there, and, <laughs> right. and nor are the other voices. In this case, I did it so late, like getting married, that uh, that my mistakes are in here, a lot of them. And I was able to ask these guys, now you know, 35, 37 years old, now they work at Department of Homeland Security, uh, they work at engineering firms, they work in uh, at the universities and so on. I asked them, what did they remember? What ideas, what stayed with them, what insights, what stories? They gave me back, Al, 150 pages of amazing stuff. Wow. And I baked that into this, and they'd tell me when I'm wrong and when I'm not, mm-hmm. uh, and what they also took away. And i got to tell you the greatly gratifying thing of all else. Um, the victories, even though we won a lot of games our third years, 17-4-5, and five, number four in the state, we passed 95% of the nation by then in the rankings. Wow. It's not what they talk about. They talk about the locker room. They talk about feeling safe. They talk about... Huh. That feeling safe. Feeling safe comes up a lot. Really? And that was one of my goals. What, did, what, what, what would that mean? That they were feeling secure on the team? or Yeah, that our true values, work hard, support yeah. your teammates, that yeah. no one here is going to stab you in the back. Ah. Uh, no one here is not going to include you. Yeah. No yeah. one here is going to play favorites and do clicks and all this stuff. We got rid of all that. Um, imagine going to a workplace where you knew that everybody there was going to work hard and support you. Yeah. You want to work there. Yeah. yeah. And you're, you're going to work better at that place. And you're, you're not going to look to leave either. So we had all that. And 
that these guys remember that the values more than the victories is is greatly gratifying. That's from, that's really is tremendous. Uh, you even cha- you, you changed the locker room around, didn't you? I sure did. Tell me I about changed that. a lot of things that never would have occurred to me. So tell, uh, tell me. Yeah, um, I set it up. If you don't set up your locker room the way you want as the coach, the teacher, your classroom. Guess what happens? We, I've got ninth graders in the team and seniors. We have no JV for hockey. Okay. Uh, no junior varsity. So you got ninth graders who don't even shave, and you got <laughs> seniors who are about to go to Afghanistan. Right. I mean, right. or wherever. Um, so how do I make this a team? So you you separate the seniors. I made a compass of my my, my top four leaders yeah. and put them in the middle of the four walls uh, with the stalls, and then I put other guys around them, the young guys around them. Um, I'd break up clicks. I would make sure that nobody at the same grade was sitting next to each other. We've all got to get along. Then I stole a program from Japan called Senpai Kohai. Yeah, yeah. Tell me about that. Mentor protege, basically. All their companies do it. Sony, Panasonic, Toyota, and so on. Even their hockey teams do it. And so I matched up uh, my upperclassmen, seniors and juniors, with uh, somebody in the underclass, sophomores and freshmen, to break these barriers. And uh, so you'd have a partner, basically. You ate dinner with that guy at team dinners. You sat on the bus together for traveling on the road. You'd room together in a hotel. happened a couple times a year. And I didn't know what they are going to respond to that. And they loved it so much that they asked me the next year, are we going to do it again? And those mentors and mentees end up in each other's weddings. Um, they're still in touch. Uh, so that's a great way to break down barriers that you might have, like between sales and service. Yeah. Between veteran employees and young employees. It happens in all you know workspaces, I think. Uh, and you got to break it down. Uh, you pointed something out in the book that probably a lot of other people know, but it never quite hit me, and that is you can be an outstanding player and be a lousy coach. It usually happens. Yeah. Because guys like me know how to motivate rotten players. <laughs> <laughs> Well, you mentioned Ted Williams, for instance. No, not much success. Yep. Magic Johnson, not right. much success. Great players, though. Right. Yeah. And Casey Stengel. Casey Stengel, who the old New York rank Yankees manager who won, I think, the most World Series of any manager. He said, I was not very good at baseball as it is a game of skill. <laughs> <laughs> but he's a, he's a great manager. Yeah. Uh, so don't let that, if you're not a great salesperson, does not mean you should not be the sales manager. Right. For example. Right. There's it's different not, skills. There are different skills. Yeah. And we should hire accordingly. So, um, you all talk, you talk about making peer pressure work for you. Mm-hmm. That that again strikes me as brilliant. I, um, tell me how the you can't get rid of it. That's the sad so fact. It's, you know, it's, it's going to be there. So, mm-hmm. how do you make it work for him? So, once I conceded defeat, <laughs> <laughs> that okay, peer pressure's here. How can I reshape this? Um, I realized okay. They will often care more about what they think about each other than what I what I think. Oh. So so once I put seniors in charge of a lot of things, the freshmen listened a lot better to them than they did to me, because I'm just some old guy yelling stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but the senior, he's one of the cool guys in the school. He's one of the older guys. He's an athlete and all this stuff. Uh, and the freshman, who's that? So if the senior tells you, "Hey, tuck in your shirt," from the senior, it's a lot more important than from me. So yeah. I would have, we had green shirts and gold ties. Those are our school colors. And very few high school teams do that. And we looked pretty sharp getting off a bus. But I had the seniors at the end of the bus by the driver inspect all the guys leaving the bus, not me. So the seniors are in charge. Whoa, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, that's okay. The, the seniors are in charge of, uh, that's my mom and dad calling. Hi, mom and dad. <laughs> uh, the seniors are in charge of attire and appearance. 
So they'd be the ones to check off. And the, a ninth grader will listen to the senior better than me. So let's use that working together. And I'd explain about bad penalties, for example. Yeah. You're not letting me down. You know, I, I'll coach you anyway. You're making your teammates work harder because you're taking dumb penalties. Yeah. It's affecting them more than me. And w- once you're all linked together as one, it works differently. You know, I'm amazed you got uh, teenagers interested in uh, monitoring each other on attire and appearance. Normally when I was growing up, that meant downward, <laughs> deviance <laughs> downward. But you, they, these, they, this worked for make a strong uh, unity for the team, uniformity of dress, and it worked. It worked. Because, look, if you're a Navy SEAL, if you're a Marine, you care about the uniform. Yeah. Uh, I assume that priests do as well, of course. Yep. Uh, and you don't want a guy in your flock uh, looking sloppy because you yeah. represent us. Yeah. And it's just what Al Clark told me, that once they know that it's special to be on your team, they will start enforcing that themselves. So they did it with enthusiasm. They took pride in their appearance uh, without me having to say very much at all after the first year. That was their domain. You win, you lose. Who gets credit? How do you huh. take credit? How do you deal with the reality of winning and losing? All right, folks, here's the bad news. Uh, when you lose, it's your fault. And when you win, it's theirs. <laughs> so that's all I can tell you. If you lose, you didn't have the right guys out there. You didn't do this. You didn't do that. And you got to take it with the Ann Arbor News or whatever your publication is. Um, when you win, this comes from Herb Brooks again, uh, 1980, Miracle on Ice, when Al Michael says, do you believe in miracles? The greatest upset ever. Yeah. Al, I'm sorry, um, Herb Brooks looked up at the scoreboard, looked at his players with great pride and admiration and respect, almost tears in his eyes. And then he leaves the scene. And he walks underneath the stands and goes into a locker room, a public locker room, and cries in one of the stalls. Because um, he said, I did not score a single goal in 1960 when he, almost, when he almost made the team and got cut. They won the gold medal. I didn't score a single goal this time either. No. And I didn't score a goal as a player, Al. <laughs> I didn't score a goal as a <laughs> yeah. coach. So it's all theirs. When you get a trophy and they say, Coach Bacon, get your trophy. No, you don't. You put your hands in your pocket. You nod at your captain. He goes, get, he goes to get his trophy, and you walk off. And look, really, it's being a parent. You can't take credit for your yeah. kids' grades. Yeah. You can't take credit for their success. Uh, if they fail, sadly, you have to, you have to talk to the principal. Um, but let it be theirs, and they'll they'll work far harder for you otherwise. And by the way, also, if you're leading anything, if you're the, the chair of your department, the coach of your team, if your team's winning, you're going to get credit anyway, whether you like it or not. Um, let me see. I hope we have time. Oh. Can you stay with me just a minute? Sure. I Normally, I'd wrap this up here, but I want to see if I can get some time uh, to talk uh, about uh, Coach Pierre. Here we go. All right. My guest, John U. Bacon, is author of Let Them Lead, Unexpected Lessons in Leadership from America's Worst High School Hockey Team. I'm Al Cresta. We will be back. Good afternoon. I'm Al Cresta. With me, John U. Bacon. Let them lead. Unexpected lessons in leadership from America's worst high school hockey team, Coach Lapper. Coach Lapper was 19 years old when I hired him, the youngest assistant coach in the league, maybe the state. The players loved him so much, they named him the unsung hero of the team. I've never seen that, players voting a coach for a player's award. Uh, They loved him. I loved him. He was the key. Uh, And then on June 25th of 2003, he dies in a car accident. Uh, very tragic to say the least. He was young. Um, the players at his funeral um, took off their gold ties and unbidden by me, their idea, 
and draped their gold ties on his casket because those gold oh. ties represented us at our best. Yeah. And I'm about to cry again. And they just felt that Lapper was us at our best. Yeah. We loved him. Well, that's a powerful way uh, to also end the book and end the interview. John, thanks. Al, Great thank you. Cresta in the Afternoon is a co-production of Ave Maria Radio and EWTN Radio and carried across the EWTN Global Catholic Radio Network. To follow up on any of the guests or information presented on today's program, visit the Cresta Guest Archive at AveMariaRadio.net. That's A-V-E-M-A-R-I-A, radio.net. To listen to this or any other edition of Cresta in the Afternoon, visit the audio archives at AveMariaRadio.net. Or to order a CD of the program, call 734-930-4506 or email orders at AveMariaRadio.net. That's 734-930-4506 or orders at AveMariaRadio.net.